Welcome to the Buck and Strutton Podcast, the chronicles of two unlegendary public land hunters. Your home for hunting tactics, strategies, and stories. guys welcome back to the buck and strutton podcast today i have kyle beeson the uh newest buck and strutton outdoors team member and we are going to just have some turkey bs and kind of see where it goes from there i will uh go ahead and kyle how you doing man uh, I'm doing good, and you, you forgot to mention I'm the I'm the best looking member of PSO. But well, I don't know about that. My old lady thinks my curls are real luscious. Uh, not all of us can be gifted with a full head of hair. <laughs> yeah, I guess that might be something that a lot of our listeners might not know is that you're kind of losing a little bit in the front. Yeah, uh, I mean, now we're getting a little deep, but yeah all right it's it's disappearing what about it that's like that's wisdom though right yeah i'm, I'm wise beyond my years <laughs> yeah that's what that's what my grandpa always told me is that's that's wisdom i'm just stressed out and i'm rubbing my forehead too much <laughs> <laughs> well hopefully i mean hopefully here in about another week you won't be too stressed out you'll be able to get in them turkey woods Oh, I'm counting down the days, man. I cannot wait. I, I've had to listen to you and Dustin talk about turkeys and send pictures about the turkey woods. And and there's me. I'm just patiently waiting. <laughs> it, I Well, you know, I was thinking about that the other day is, I mean, we've been going hard now for about a week and a half. And so we have a week and a half left of our season. When our season ends, <laughs> you'll still have another three days to hunt. And then, like you were saying prior, you might go pick up another tag or something like that. Yeah, I got, uh, you know, about when yours ends is when mine's going. And then I picked up, uh, I did pick up one extra tag. Um, usually I pick up two extra tags, just, you know. It's like, why not? Even if you don't go, you know, it's 10 bucks towards conservation, towards the DNR and you know, it gets put towards, you know, public lands and whatever else. And, um, but I usually pick up a couple extra tags for either the fourth, fifth or sixth week, um, here in Wisconsin. And, but I only got the, I think it was the fifth week, um, is the uh, extra tag I picked up and I didn't get the sixth one because my buddy Brad is getting married and I'm standing in his wedding. So, brad who gets married during turkey season uh that's my first question but <laughs> does does brad listen to this podcast oh he does you know so there's your call out brad and you know if you, you me and cj we're gonna have a talk you're cutting into my turkey time <laughs> I, I still 
and I mean, like, like we've talked about, you know, I'm a newer turkey hunter, so for me, the Missouri three-week turkey season is an all-out, I mean, it's just like an all-out freaking sprint. Like, it just seems like every day you got to get up and you got to grind. And, I, and I'm blessed enough that my work is at night, you know. But to, to think about hunting for possibly six weeks, I mean, that's insane. I mean, and I know and it's probably not realistic that somebody will hunt all six weeks, but the ability that you could hunt, you know, an additional two weeks. Yeah. I mean, it gets, you know, especially if you get some of those tags back to back and on, depending on how much you go out and, um, cause this year with work, I wasn't able to take any time off. So that first week, um, I only get two days, um, you know, which we'll see what happens, you know, regardless of how many days it is, it's just going to be nice to get out there and, you know, just enjoy the time. But, um, that's, that's one thing I'm a little envious on, you know, with you guys is, uh, we, we talked about in the last podcast with kind of how your season lays out, you know, it's like, yeah, you only get, uh, you only get three weeks, but you, you know, you don't have to wait for a certain week. So that's kind of nice of, you know, you can go out there and just hit it hard when you can for that, that time period and just get it done. And, you know, and then there's a guy like me and, you know, who's sitting there waiting patiently for, for his week to roll around. And I'm trying to, I'm trying to get as many people out that have tags in the first and second week and be like, Hey, I, I don't know if you need help. I don't know if you want help, but I'm coming. So deal with it. It, you know, like, I guess that kind of goes into where we are at right now in our turkey season. It is, it's everything I needed, but not exactly how I wanted it to go. The, uh, the first week, the gobbling was great, right? I mean, it seemed like every morning we got out there and the birds were just hammering. Like I think opening day, we probably heard every bit of 40 to 50 gobbles. Didn't it? And I mean, it was, it was one of those things that it made the hair on your neck stand up and you're just, you're pumped full of adrenaline ready to go. And uh, the moral, I mean, a long story short with how the first week went, it seemed like every time we went to make a move, the turkeys, the, I mean, the toms, they had hens come in. The hens swooped him up and carried him off. And that, that was that. Never to be heard or seen from again. Yeah, that, that's kind of what it seemed. It seemed like every time that we got close, that's what happened. I mean, there was a day that I was out, and, I mean, I was every bit of 60 yards from it. And, I mean, every time he gobbled, it it sounded like freaking thunder. Like the, It seemed like the ground was shaking. He was so close. And then after sitting there for, you know, 10 minutes trying to coax him to come in to sweet little Sally, freaking a hen came in and, you could just hear her yelping further down the ridge, and next thing you know, wings are flapping, and he's off. It's uh, it's hard, but that and that, you know, going in dealing with that the first week, which it was nice because the the hunting pressure the first week was not near as bad until we got to the weekend. You know, everybody's off work. 
the weekend, these places got hammered. Buddies that I knew that went out, they said that it was busy in a lot of these public areas. But and that's that's to be expected. Mm-hmm. But I figured going into week two, you know, like it, it would be it would be a little bit better. And dude, I was I was totally wrong about that. I it's been we had a big temperature change, and this is something that I kind of recently began to understand or but barometric pressure actually from what the national wild turkey federation says that it actually plays a factor in their how much they're going to gobble and when you have a dramatic shift in barometric pressure like that they decrease in their gobbling oh yeah i I could believe that for sure which I mean, it's just kind of like you get out there and you, you you feel like you're doing everything right, but nobody wants to talk. You're going to several different public parcels throughout the day, and nobody wants to talk. They're not gobbling off the roost. Like, there's nothing. So how in the hell do you hunt a bird that isn't willing to let you know where he's at? Perseverance. Yeah, yeah, a lot of a lot of perseverance and mental freaking strength, I guess, because it about drive you crazy. Oh, it, it will drive you crazy, but I think that's why we do it. Yeah, yeah, no, you're right about that. And I, 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 we took uh, which I'm not going to go too much into this, but I will say that we we did we took a a new hunter out today and that's one of the comments that he made was he's like, you know, I, I didn't really have a whole lot of expectation coming into this. Like I didn't really know what it was going to be like, but the sitting back and watching the strategy and coming up with a game plan and how you're going to try to make a move. He's like, that was probably one of the funnest things. Oh yeah. It's, and there's so much that goes into it, you know, especially, you know, when you, you have to look at the terrain around you, you know, especially you guys, you guys hunt a lot of public and, um, you know, if you're cruising down a, a cat road or something like that, calling every once in a while and all of a sudden a bird fires off, you know, you have to look at the terrain of like, okay, what, what path is he going to take to get to me? You know, where can I set up to where I can get him in range? Um, you know, there, there's just a lot that goes into it that, you know, and that, and that's a nice thing when you can take someone out for the first time, you know, and you can kind of explain some of that, you know, or they can sit back and kind of watch like why you set up where you did and stuff like that. Cause you know, it's not, it's not as easy as I, I should say it's most of the time, it's not as easy as just walk into the woods and sit against a tree and a Tom comes by, but yeah, there's there's a lot more to it than just okay. I'm gonna sit here and call and see what happens. Right, and that and that's like you know too. You don't because we we hunt a lot of public. I mean, we did get access to hunt that that private. And I actually I should have brought this up during week one. The private it, it was great. Like it seemed like it would be a great plan, but there were factors that went into that that we didn't really even think about. I mean that private is right by the road and two mornings we had somebody drive by. I mean, they couldn't see us. I know they couldn't see us. 
but they saw my truck and man they just blare on their horns and one of those mornings we were making a move on a couple of times that were at the top of the field like we were literally dipping into the timber to skirt the tree line to stay out of sight to get up there in the range to try to call them in and this car just flies by blaring on their horn and next thing you know those turkeys bolt they're gone they like jump the county line oh, that's rough that sucks yeah yeah it was it was one of those super disheartening moments that you're like it could have gone either way you know i'm not saying we would have killed a tom but it was looking really good because they were gobbling it, it was it was looking good but that's that's part of the the challenges i guess and that that kind of also when you're hunting goes into when you're hunting the public side you you want that bird to gobble but then you don't want him to gobble <laughs> because you're not the only hunter out there that's going to hear it yeah yeah that's and, and that's something I don't have to deal with a lot. Um, you know, I don't, I don't have to hunt. Um, you know, I'm pretty lucky. And then I, my grandfather has quite a bit of private land that I get to hunt. And, you know, it's pretty, pretty great for whitetails and turkeys. It's pretty phenomenal. And um, so I'm extremely lucky in that aspect, but, you know, you just hear these, these stories and, you know, you pull into a parking area and there's X amount of trucks in there. And then, you know, you get back to where you don't think anyone is. And then all some bird starts going off and then you think you're the only one that heard it. And then, Oh, you know, now there's another hunter over there yelping. Oh, there's another one over there. And, you know, and that plays so much into, you know, a lot of these birds, they've, they've heard everything, you know, by the time the season's halfway through and, you know, they're not, they're not totally stupid. They'll, they'll gobble a little bit on the roost, maybe a little bit in the morning. Then after that, they'll be like, well, you know, if I keep gobbling, I'm going to end up like my buddy who got it on, you know, the first day and, you know, he was noisy and look what happened to him. If I keep, keep quiet, then I stay alive. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the, so, you know, right, I'm going to ask you a question here. We had this actually happen today. We were down in a spot doing some prospecting and it's like immediately we knew it was another hunter man like it was it was 9 30 the sun's up and all of a sudden you hear that who owl call and you're just kind of like looking around like what the hell <laughs> what what wait what <laughs> i'm just kind of thinking i'm like i don't i don't that doesn't sound natural yeah nah, i just i wonder sometimes if because I know a lot of people, they don't give credit to, to turkeys. You know, they don't, especially the Easterns. They don't, they don't, they just don't give credit to how smart they actually are. But I wonder if, if those unnatural sounds like that, put them on edge. Yeah. Well, I I look at it this way. You know, these these turkeys are in the woods. You know their entire lives and they're out there most of the year listening to you know other real turkeys and real owls and stuff like that and all of a sudden there's a flood of people and you know they're hitting on these box calls and these slate calls and some of them are you know got you know hitting their mouth calls and all of a sudden there's you know an owl call and a crow call and it's like 
like you said, they don't get enough credit of like these birds are out there. They they've heard it all, you know, and they they've been listening to us in their entire lives. They it's not like they you know when turkey season's done that they just stop hearing this stuff. So when it just sounds like all different, and then all of a sudden there's a lot more of it, you know, stuff like that's going to push those birds down, and they, you know they're just going to kind of be quiet. You know, it's like 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 you're talking about with you know hunting pressured birds. It it's tough because if they're not gobbling, you know, you don't know where they're at. And then, you know, yeah, you can kind of set up in a spot and call and maybe one comes in silent, you know, maybe he doesn't, but it's like, you know, that that's gotta be the hardest part about it just because those birds hear everything and anything under the sun. And, you know, that, that's what you just have to do is just be different. You know, if you do something like, you know, bird fires off, maybe you give them a few yelps and then, you know, just do a bunch of scratching, maybe, you know, that could be enough to maybe like, okay, you know, the, the, the hens haven't been talking a lot recently. And I got one person over here yelping, you know, every two minutes and then, oh, well, it sounds like there's hens over here feeding and scratching. I'm going to go over there, you know, because the hens haven't been talking very much. Yeah, you know, and then next thing you know is there's Nick waiting there with his 12 gauge and he takes a dirt nap, but that's the uh that's the dream. <laughs> it um it, it 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 cracks me up like I don't know. I just my old lady man, she she talks about turkey season. She's like I hate turkey season. I'm like why? She's like you're gone. You're out the door at four thirty. You get home. I mean, I'm gonna be real here. I take a nap. Oh, that's a must. That, yeah. I don't care what anyone says. Mid morning or mid afternoon turkey naps are a must. Yeah. Then she's like, by the time nine o'clock rolls around, you're already asleep again for three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> I. I I figure she'd enjoy this time. She doesn't have to deal with you. Well, I mean, I'm just going to say this because I know she doesn't listen to the podcast. But nothing else gets done around this joint. Like the lawn doesn't get cut in three weeks, and this is the time of year that that shit grows like a jungle. You know, like there's certain things that I'm responsible for that it, it, it's just not going to happen. I mean, you can probably start the lawnmower. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll pass that on and let you know how it goes. Maybe you shouldn't. I'd like to get invited down to Missouri at some point in my yeah. life. Yeah, she's going to say, well, that cow guy's not welcome down here. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll have to come back or come down there under a, a fake name. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We we fired that cow guy. We got this other guy. Yeah, we got the Kevin. His name's Kevin. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Oh, so you, uh, you went with a buddy during their week one, right? Yeah. Yeah. One of my, uh, one of my good friends, Dave, he, um, he's a big outdoorsman, fisherman. Like he does a lot, you know, bull hunts, gun hunts for deer. You know, he's, he's gone out elk hunting and, you know, he's a huge fisherman and, um, but he never, never really turkey hunted. Um, you know, him and his dad, like they just, it was something they never really got into and they do it every, every once in a while, if like they had nothing to do, but you know, they never really, 
you know, gave it an honest try or anything like that. You know, never, never, you know, run and gunned and set up on birds and had one gobbling and strutting the whole way in. So, you know, you never really got that full experience. Um, but he, he got a turkey tag this year for the first week. And I told him all, you know, I was like, let's go. I was like, worst comes to worst. Um, you know, you, you find out that it's not for you and you don't like it. And then you don't have to get a turkey tag again. But like, I honestly think you would enjoy it quite a bit if you came with um so he, he i think he gave me with our schedules we could only make one one morning work um so we went out saturday um and I, we had we had a pretty good morning like we didn't uh we didn't get any uh we didn't get a bird or we didn't get any toms in range or anything like that but um it, it was kind of funny so i went the night the morning before i woke up um when it was pitch black out and I drove to the, the property we were going to hunt and I was just going to listen to where birds were roosting and gobbling in the morning. So I could make a game plan for Saturday. And I start walking down this like main trail and then all of a sudden, you know, the birds start to wake up a little bit and they're gobbling. And all of a sudden, like I cut it, I just had a sense and I look over to my right and I'm probably at a, like a hundred yards. There's this big maple tree and it was skyline. Um, and there was a bird that was gobbling probably another 150 yards into these pine trees where they, you know, historically would, um, where they historically would roost. And I look over for whatever reason. And all of a sudden I see this, like just bowling ball, like looking thing. And I'm like, Oh, that doesn't look natural. So I put my binos on it. And then I quickly realized it's a Tom, you know, and, and it's not my week. So I don't have a gun. Like I brought my camera with, uh, see if I could get some cool pictures and, so I just freeze and I had a little bit of cover between me and him. And he, I watched him gobble on the roost for another like 20 minutes. And then he, he pitched down in this little opening and, you know, and then I got out of there before I, you know, I didn't mess with him or anything like that. I, I backed up a little bit and um, he actually, it was really cool. He came walking by at like 20, 30 yards, just spitting and drumming, you know, when he was by himself gobbling, looking for, looking for some hens. And I was like, of course, you know, 25, 30 yards. I don't have a tag. He's putting on the, you know, one of the coolest shows ever. And I'm sitting here with a camera in my hand and not a gun. But yeah, I mean, that's just how it works. It's just exactly how it works every time. And um, so he, he ended up working off and, you know, I didn't, met, I didn't mess with him. And there was a few more gobbles that morning, but it's like, okay, you know, two, two birds roosted um, on that property the morning before. So I figured, hey, we, we got a shot. So we we go out Saturday morning and, um, you know, set up for, I, I was calling him the, the maple turkey because he was roosted in that maple tree and got set up. And, you know, once it started to get light out, I glassed up that tree and he wasn't in it. So I was a little nervous, but I knew there was another bird close. And I was waiting for him to torch off and start gobbling in the pines. And then he never did either. So every bird um, that we heard that morning, which we heard quite a bit of gobbling in the morning um, on the roost and a little bit on the ground, um, it was on the neighboring properties. So that, that was kind of a letdown. And, but, you I, know, it's turkey hunting. It, yeah. And I think that that's kind of... When I think about that too, that that's kind of a hard thing because I mean, if they're on the neighboring properties, I mean you can't just make a move. Yeah, 
well and 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 then it was good and bad in the same sense um because i what i didn't want it to go like was i go and do all the scouting you know he, and then we go the next morning we we sneak in close and we set up some decoys the bird pitches down you know starts beating up the decoy or hanging around the decoys and then he gets shot in the face so all Dave experience would have been okay we get up early as hell we drive out there we set up sit there for you know 30 45 minutes whatever it was bird pitches down and I shoot it like you know ideally like you know that's how you draw it up in your head because you know you want to fill your tag but then in the same sense of me kind of like trying to get him into turkey hunting I'm like what what fun is that I mean that just it almost seems too easy then, you know, where's the excitement and, you know, how's, how's that fun for someone, you know, to do over and over if that's like the expectation. Right. Um, so it was, it was kind of a good thing. It didn't work out that way. Cause then we bounced around to some, you know, um, areas on that property where I know birds would, you know, move through quite a bit. And, you know, I was hoping one would fire off and we made a move and um, it didn't really, it, it didn't feel right you know i didn't think anything was going to happen the area wouldn't look quite as good as i wanted it to so we made another move and we were set up there for i don't know maybe 15 minutes and then all of a sudden you know down further in these pines um like probably about 150 175 yards if i had to guess um a, a tom fired off you know he just gobbled i mean and he was he was in the on the property so our, I looked at Dave and I was like, all right, let's go. Like, let's close the distance and let's go kill him. And then right about as we were going to get up, a hen started yelping between him and us. So I told him, all right, nope, that changes things. We got to sit down now um, because I was nervous. If we went towards that Tom and blew that hen out, she would go that direction and take him with her. And then, so then I... I knew I wasn't going to be able to call the toms away. Um, but then, so I started calling to the hen because after about 10 minutes, um, the, they, there's two toms then they, they've gobbled and they were with those hens and those hens were probably about 80 yards or so. And there was this abandoned building in this pine trees with all these trees around it. Um, and we were on one side, they were on the other. And like I had this hen just all sorts of fired up. She was yelping and I would yelp back and then she would cut. And then while she was yelping, I would cut back on her and cut her off. And she was just, she was not having it. She so was ready. Real, real quick, Kyle, for people who, who don't turkey hunt and might not know, can you kind of explain the dynamics behind why that pisses a hen off? Yeah. So like, and, and I, and I knew she was like the dominant hen. Cause she was like, there was, you could tell it was just the one bird, uh, one hen she was yelping sounded really raspy. So that, that tells me she was older and you know, the dominant hen. And, and, and from, from what I know about turkeys, like that dominant hen kind of picks where the flock goes. Um, you know, I, I could be wrong, but you know, that's, that's kind of how I view it as. And, um, so what I was trying to do was sound like another dominant hen a little bit, like, cutting her off from her calling was making her mad making me sound like the dominant bird and i was trying to get her so mad that she was going to come over to me and you know whoop me to say like hey this is my flock this is you know you're not the top bird around here um 
you know, so when you're sitting there making those dominant hen calls, you know, that loud yelping, raspy yelping, you know, cutting her off and doing those excited cuts. And, um, you know, that just gets that, that hen fired off. Cause she's like, Oh, I don't like you. Like, this is my flock. You're trying to take over like my, my, my birds and stuff like that. Um, you know, that's kind of how I view it. And, I've had some pretty good success doing it, honestly. Um, you know, it, it doesn't work every time because there's times where they'll just say, all right, screw you. We're, we're going to go this way, you know, have fun, you know, making all that noise by yourself. But um, this hen in particular, like I, it must've been 30 or 45 minutes. We were just going back and forth and I'm thinking, all right, she's got to b- bring these guys by at some point. Like there's, there's no way she'd be hanging around at that like 60 yard mark for that long and not be interested enough to come. Like you'd think at some point she would just say, screw you. We're going to go this way. But there was this abandoned um, old building that these, you know, pines are and these trees grew up around and um, they were right on the other side of the building. And the building was probably at like 40 yards for us, 30, 40 yards. And um, they just, they wouldn't cross it. They won't go around it for whatever reason or another. They just wouldn't do it. So, and eventually you could kind of hear them work off the other way. And we tried to make a move and go around them and get ahead of them. But we, we figured they must've squirted up the side because we sat for another about hour, hour and a half or so. And we never saw them again. So then they, they shut up after that too, which makes it impossible to find them. So that that part kind of sucked, but I mean, I, I talked to Dave after and when we were moving to go get set up on them, uh, the second time I looked at him, I was like, was that cool or was that cool? And he was like, dude, that was awesome. Like, he's like, you pissed that hen off and like the vocalization she was doing. And, you know, the, the, when those toms started gobbling, he was like, man, that, that was awesome. That was worth getting up in the morning. So, you know, even though the morning ended, you know, unsuccessful in the terms of filling a tag and and getting some, you know, turkey nuggets, it was very successful because now I convinced Dave he bought a turkey vest for next year. He's going to take some more time off for it next year. Like he's he's game. He's all in. And that's I mean that's the outcome you're looking for. You know that that's all you can hope and want whenever you take somebody out who hasn't done that type of hunting before. When you experience that too, it, it makes you hungry. You know, like it makes you, well, maybe I'm going to learn a little bit more. I'm going to watch some videos or read a few books on all these different things that go into turkey hunting, for example. So you have Mm -hmm. better knowledge on how to deal with it. But that's cool. I'm pretty stoked that he, uh, he liked it and he went out and bought a vest and is going to set aside more time to actually hunt a little bit harder. Yeah, he's gonna, you know, he's talking about going out and getting a turkey choke and, you know, patterning his shotguns because he used, he used one of my shotguns that I have, you know, it's a great setup. I mean, it shoots a great pattern and I have confidence in it. You know, what, um, what he was planning on doing was just throwing in a full choke and grabbing whatever turkey loads his dad had. And right away, my, my anxiety went through the roof because I'm like, you don't even. (laughs) 
you don't even know what that pattern will do for all you know it'll shoot right around a bird at 20 yards and i was like no you're you're using my gun with my pattern that i know is good out to 40 and that's that like i don't care what you say that's that's the other thing that goes into this too is that people don't realize you just can't go pick up any old choke and throw any old turkey load in there like you actually have to figure out which round's going to work best for you yeah i mean the, the only way you know you could like throw in whatever choke and grab you know whatever turkey load or whatever shotgun shell you got rolling around in your truck is if you get that bird close and i mean eye to eye close like you know he's got to be under 20 yards because then at, at that range i mean anything could happen but um i i would say to anyone who wants to get into turkey hunting just take the time and pattern your gun find a shell that works for the choke and gun you have and you know you don't need to go out there and i i run a i run a remington 870 that i bought for like 200 something bucks um i have a heavy shot choke that was 45 bucks and then i shoot winchester long beard xrs which are 21 bucks for a box of 10 you know and and I know right now all the fab is shooting, you know, these really nice expensive chokes that are hundred bucks a piece. And then, you know, you're, you're getting a box of TSS uh, loads that are 50 bucks for five shells. It's like, you know, that's a huge turnoff for a lot of guys too. It's like, you know, you're paying a ton of money for five shells. Yeah. And you don't have to, you don't have to spend that kind of money to go out and kill a turkey. Oh no. I mean, not at all. And I'm like, are those do those do those shells work of course they do you know they're they throw phenomenal patterns and you could probably get a little more range on it but it's like i don't want to sit there and gloat about how far i killed that bird i want to gloat about how close i killed that bird and i think that's the difference between a lot of people because that's also a fab right now is oh i shot that bird at 60 70 yards okay that's cool but you know i know a guy or hopefully I kill a bird that is at 20 or 30, the game of how close did he get? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and and I went through that too. Cause like, you know, you, you saw the fab of you know how far can you shoot them and stuff like that. And, you know, and I went through it and, you know, I was gloating about turkeys that I took shots on that were probably a little too far, you know, that I shouldn't, you know, it worked out, but it's like, you know, the more you learn about turkey hunting and, you know, enjoy it more, it's like, wow. You know what fun is it to drop a turkey at 70 yards because you're shooting 12 dollar rounds when you can save a lot of money and shoot a lot cheaper ammo and you know get an even better experience with that bird you know sitting there at 20 yards and you know your, your life will change a little bit when that bird gobbles at 20 yards and you can feel it in your chest right right and you know the other thing too that I think a lot of people neglect is actually looking at the subspecies that you're hunting in your state, you know, doing some research, like in my example, yours too, we're hunting Easterns. So actually understanding some of the dynamics behind Easterns that make them, you know, they're, they're a little bit more skittish. They're a lot of times too, they're, they're hard to hunt because of the terrain you know i mean you you're gonna have to maneuver that and by the time you get to where he was he could be another ridge over and that, that a lot of people i think that they they get so focused on the products and 
all these different things. <clears throat> Excuse me. But actually doing some research on the species itself could prove to be pretty beneficial. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, just look at the difference between like Miriams, for example, like, you know, the where those birds live, you know, there's not a not a ton of trees in the Dakotas. And so, you know, there's limited places where they can roost. And those birds usually sit in these like massive flocks where what I would consider a big flock would be like, you know, every once in a while you'll see like a flock of like 20 or 30 Easterns together or something like that, to, you know, but you know, if, if I see a flock of like eight, you know, with a couple toms in there or something like that, like that, that's pretty good, you know, and obviously there's different situations where there's going to be a ton of birds, but like, I don't know. I just feel like with those Miriams out West, like they're just, there's a ton of them in one big group and like just watching those turkeys, you know, interact together. It's just phenomenal. No, you're right. And that, that's, I was kind of doing some reading just on that. And I didn't, I didn't realize that like Miriam's they're nomadic. They, I think I, what I was reading said that it is not uncommon for them to like, travel every bit of like 10 miles or something crazy yeah, it's just nuts to me yeah that, that, uh, i'd have to i'd have to pull that book out i don't remember the author's name but he he rode a bike 13 miles into the backcountry to go after these miriams and i mean he he was just talking about how The big flock came through. He said there's probably upwards of, you know, 25, 30 birds rolling on through. And they didn't come back that night. That's crazy to me. I mean, I just, I mean, because for the most part with, with Easterns, they're going to roost in the general area. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they might, you know, they might not always go to the same tree, but you'll get those birds that will, you know, like that's their tree and that's where they want to go. And, um, but they'll be within, you know, a hundred acres at least, you know, of where they want to be, you know, it's not like, okay, I'm going to go, I'm going to go to this County here tonight. That's five miles away. I'm going to go sleep there tonight. But then the next day I'm going to go back over here. No, yeah. Easterns are very, you know, they just, they, they, they know what they do and like they're a little, sometimes they can be easy to pattern, you know, in a situation like that. Um, but it's just the, the differences between all these birds. is just amazing to me. Yeah. And that's, and that's something too, that as, as an, as a new Turkey hunter, I will say that this season has really, it's really kickstarted my, my obsession with Turkey hunting, you know, like I, I've picked up books on it. I've I've watched more videos. Whereas the past years, I'm just kind of like, yeah, I'm gonna go. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna go. I've I've really tried to understand calling cadences and what you should do, what you shouldn't do. I mean, when you start getting on that level, that's really when the fun begins. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I get, and I'm 
for the longest time, I like, I, I always hunted with my either grandpa or my dad. And one of them would be the callers just because they were, they were so good at it. And um, so like, I never really had to pick up a call and like, you know, I, I could, I could make the noises and stuff like that. But then like when I started going out on my own, when they couldn't go, um, I quickly realized that I knew nothing about turkey calling. <laughs> it was like, it was a little disheartening to know how little I knew about it, which like, cause growing up, I just, you know, I had dad and grandpa that would just do it for me. And like, they were good at it and it worked and it was phenomenal, but you know, it was like, it was quickly, you had to quickly either adapt and figure it out and, or you just didn't kill any birds and, you know, and learning how to do the calls is one thing. And then learning what calls and what sequences to do in certain situations is another. And unfortunately there's not like a, okay, just read this book and that'll tell you exactly what to do. It's dependent on the Turkey. Right. Right. So when, when you were figuring out about Turkey calling, did you go back and talk to your grandfather and your father? Yeah. Like I, I would talk to them and, you know, I'd call them after, you know, after my hunt was done and something like that, I'd be like, Hey, like this was the situation. This is what I did. Um, you know, what, what should I, what, what would you recommend that I do? And, you know, a lot of it would come back to, you just called too much, you know, or it's like, you know, you called too long, like only, you should have only done three to five Yelps and maybe you did more, maybe you did less, like, um, but you know, that was, that was phenomenal. Cause I had them to go to and be like, okay, where did I go wrong here? Like, and obviously like, it's hard. You guys weren't there, but this is the information you have. Like, what would you have done? And just talking to them about it, you pick up a little thing here and there. And then all of a sudden it's just, it started to click. And I'm, I'm still by far, you know, not, not a professional Turkey caller by any stretch of the you know imagination, but you know, I, I can get a, I can get a long beard fired up if he's in the right mood. And, um, you know, and, and apparently I can piss off a, a dominant hen. Not enough to get her, <laughs> not enough to get her in though. Just enough to, you know, be a good tease because why not? Right. Speaking of your grandfather, he, he killed a bird, right? Opening day? Opening day, yeah. He, he had the, which was really good because my, my grandpa usually, he's one of those guys where, He's a phenomenal turkey hunter, but man, he has to work hard for it sometimes. And these last few years, he's had to really put a lot of time and, and effort into it. And um, no, but this year he did, he did a little bit of work ahead of the season and he knew, he knew there was three times they were coming out into this one field around between 10 and 11. And so opening day rolled around and my grandpa's in his, in his eighties and um, he slept in ate breakfast around nine o'clock said all right yeah I'll, i guess I'll go up there and sat up where he he knows they kind of crossed and um you know almost like clockwork at like i you know just after 10 i think it was something like that he you know this tom kind of through the all three toms kind of walk out and they feed their way along the field and they came right past him and you know he took out uh you know one of the birds and he got it and didn't didn't call didn't do anything you know so he hunted them almost like you would a white tail of you know you did your scouting you patterned them a little bit you just you just set up and waited and worked out great for him i mean man he's in his 80s like he is killing it oh yeah 
for for everything he does like you know he's up every day he's doing something on the property i mean every deer gun season he's out there i mean he's you know obviously he's looking for for a buck of some sort but you know he's out there taking does and he's giving does away to you know some of his um you know friends and uh, family that doesn't you know live in the area but doesn't hunt but you know you could use the meat and stuff like that like if, if i can move and do half the shit he can do at his age like i'd be so happy like it it's insane like he just he doesn't stop what's his name kyle his name's ivan ivan beeson ivan beeson man that's a shout out to ivan beeson right there you think too man like the amount of knowledge that the old timers have I would just love to pick their brains. Yeah. I mean, just even, like you said, the information or even the stories, like, yeah, yeah. The stories would be one of the, one of the cool things. I mean, he, he told me some on last Friday we were talking and, you know, he was telling me about a time he went down to, uh, to Mexico and the guide there that he was going or that he was going with, couldn't speak English and he, my grandpa can't speak Spanish. So there's zero communication via words. Um, but they went out and hunted and, you know, through hand signals and they, they figured it out. They had this bird all fired up. Um, and the guy is like, you know, he's telling them to come, come, come. And then all of a sudden, like they just stop. And there's like this big bush at like 20 or 30 yards in front of them, you know, and to like you and me, we'd think like, okay, we need to go get in that bush for cover. And the guy, the guy was just told him to like sit. So they sat there and like the rocks and stuff, no cover, nothing. And my grandpa's like, all right, this is not going to work. Like there's, there's no way, like we're just sitting in the open. And then the guide would like call and he'd grab rocks and he'd throw the rocks in the air. And at this point, my grandpa's like, okay, I don't know what this guy's doing, but we're not turkey hunting anymore. And Every time that guy would grab rocks and throw them in the air, that bird would gobble. What the heck? Like, and my grandpa was just baffled because he's like, "What? What is going on?" And you know, a couple minutes would go by. He'd grab rocks and throw them up in the air, and that bird would just hammer. And then eventually, like you know, my grandpa's sitting there aiming at the bush because he didn't know if the bird was going to come on the right side or left side. Eventually, he popped out on one of the sides and he shot him. Like it worked. What, what was the reasoning behind the rocks? He doesn't know. <laughs> he, the, the guy didn't speak uh, English. Oh. So you could never ask him, like, why the, why the hell were you throwing rocks? Like, what caused that bird to get all fired up when you threw rocks in the air? I'm assuming he's hunting Rios, right? Well, he was in Mexico. I don't know if that was... Uh, what's that really pretty bird that... Uh, what is that? Oscillated? because the... i know there's i know there's rios down there and then there's that one that like it's all it's it's got really pretty colors it's like blue i want to say it's oscillated it's like really it's really small right yeah it's, it's a pretty small turkey dude i'm writing this down. i'm gonna figure it i'm gonna figure it out i'm gonna do some research I mean, yeah i'm pretty i'm pretty sure it's oscillated and it's got like this really cool unique colors and and fan they don't really have much for a beard but they usually have these like crazy spurs um, I, and I, I believe that's what he was hunting down in, 
in Mexico. It, it might have been a real I'll double check, but he he's completed his Grand Slam and he's got, you know, he he's gotten them all. So and even like that oscillated one down in Mexico. I don't know if that if, if it was that trip or a different one he got it, but you know he got a full body mount of that one in strut and it's above his landing in his house. I mean, and that thing looks so cool. You'll have to you'll have to take a photo of that and put it on the Instagram so people can see it. Oh yeah, for sure. Oh it's pretty cool. But, um, I I'll tell you, I don't know what uh would uh Ivan Beeson be interested in ever doing a podcast? I, I can I can ask him. I don't know if he uh I, he can text so so that that's good he can at least do that so maybe he can you know come over and figure out a podcast with me dude i'll say that'd be pretty cool man that'd be pretty cool to have something for the world to see and just talk about straight stories oh yeah that like just cool. he he has more stories than i don't i don't if i get half the stories he does i mean I'd, I'd probably would have lived a really good life then. And yeah, I mean, he, he's, he's seen it all and he's done it all. I mean, you know, he's, ta- he's taken trips um, up to, you know, Alaska and where he just drove around with a camper for months and um, he's gone on caribou hunts. Like he's done a lot. And, you know, he's, you know, when he grew up, like he cut his teeth on public land over, you know, in Wisconsin, there's Fort McCoy that, um, you know, that's where he cut his teeth on and, you know, he, he worked his ass off and, you know, he got, he got quite a bit of private land. Um, you know, so I'm, I'm eternally grateful and I, I can't tell it to him enough. Like, Hey, you know, if it wasn't for you, I don't, I don't even know if like I would be into hunting just because, you know, for whatever reason here or another, but, you know, because of you and you have all this land, like, you know, thank you. I get to do what I love to do every year because of you. And, yeah, I mean, he's also one of those guys that if uh, if you got to leave somewhere at a certain time, like say six o'clock, and you're at his place, you have to leave there at six. You have to tell him you have to leave at five, because <laughs> he's gonna sit there and he's gonna talk and just keep talking. So it'll be about an hour before you actually get your shoes on and out the door. You know, I know somebody like that. It's it's a Midwest thing, I think. I mean, I think it is. Yeah, it's. I take. I, it's definitely not me you're talking about, right? No, no, it's it's definitely Dustin. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you too. And there's say. been there's been many nights, boys. We got to wrap this up. We got to wrap this up by eleven, two a.m. over freaking Zoom. Everybody's drinking beer, and it's like, oh my. I'm getting too old for this. I can't be, can't be staying up till two. Uh, yeah, I can't even deny it. Cause I mean, I just like to hear myself talk. All right. <laughs> well, I, I will say that we have a lot of good conversations, you know, the stories and that's, that's what I'm really looking forward to with, with this podcast is just all the walks of life and just the, all the stories that are going to be painted and whether or not, man, people listen to actually what we're saying, it'll be cool to have on on record. Yeah, for sure. I mean, 
like, like we've talked about, if even if, if even one person picks up a little bit of knowledge that, you know, gets shared in a podcast and it helps them, you know, shoot their biggest buck ever or helps them kill their first Tom, um, you know, whatever it is like, yeah, that makes it all worth it. And in all honesty, even if even if no one listens to these podcasts, like I have a hell of a time, like it's fun. It is fun. Sit here and shoot the shit with you guys and get blamed for keeping you up at 2 a.m. <laughs> yeah, I, I can already hear it now. Turkey hunted for three weeks straight. And you do these dang podcasts till two in the morning drinking beer. What the heck? What good are you? You're a bum. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. At, least, at least we know what we are. That is true. That is true. And the other thing, too, that well, we've never talked about it because I mean, we don't have any experience behind it, but you do, you know, talking about elk hunting. And I think that that's something that a lot of people, they're interested in it. And I meant to ask you this on the last podcast. Would you compare turkey hunting to elk hunting, but on a much larger scale? Oh, for sure. It's, they're extremely comparable um, just because of like how you hunt them. I mean, you know, it, it's the mating season and to, to kill gobbler, you either have to see them and then make a move on them um, or you have to hear them gobble. And then, then you're trying to call them in. You know, the major difference there is you're using hen calls to call in a, in a tom. Well, with elk hunting, typically you're using another bugle, you know, sounding like a, another bull to call them in. But I mean, it's, it's the same thing pretty much of, you know, they torch off, you get in position and you start calling and, you know, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't work. And, um, turkey hunting is nice just cause you don't have to worry about the wind direction. Um, you know, you, and you do obviously with elk hunting, but. I mean, they're, they're very similar in how you go about it and kind of like that excitement of like, you're, you're listening to one, you know, gobble its way in, or you listen to a bull bugle its way in or popping limbs. And like, you know, you get that same feeling and, you know, the only difference is one of them's a, a 22 pound bird that gobbles and the other one's a 800 pound elk that looks like it wants to eat you. <laughs> And then, and then it screams in your face, you know, and it's like just the noise they make is like you would you just want picture an animal like that to make that noise. And it's just it's so cool. We'll have to devote a whole episode of recapping your elk hunts. Yeah, that's that's a good one. He was a great bull and it was it was a hell of a story, too. So, yeah, well, the elk one on one, man, because. I know Dustin and I both have, have the itch to go and but even even just talking about things that make it easier for a guy that's on a budget or average Joe blue collar hardworking family man that I mean I don't know if I can spend all that money but there's other ways to go about it. Yeah, well for sure cuz my my trip was guided, you know, my my father, my dad came with and um, you know, he kind of set it up and, you know, he's, he 
he's a little bit older, so he, he can't really do the whole backpacking and hiking all those miles on public land and stuff. So, you know, we went a different, a different route and, um, which that was, that was good. I learned a lot that trip, um, just about how elk behave, kind of what they do. And, you know, that was, even if I came home from that trip without a bull, um, I was, you know, extremely happy with learning everything I could about elk. Cause like the guy that took us, he's hunted elk for decades and he has all this information. And I, I bothered him pretty much every day. I was asking him questions of like, Oh, you know, what do elk do in this situation? Like, what are they kind of thinking this time of year? You know, how do they determine this and that? Like, it was like, I could feel how annoying I was to him, but I was like, I, there's all this information here and he just has to tell me. So I took advantage of that. Yeah, that, I mean, that right there is worth every bit of just going out, learning. Yeah. That's, yeah, we, we can't get too far down that rabbit hole because we'll be here for another hour and a half, two hours. We'll be here till 2 a.m. and I'll get blamed <laughs> for that one too. Yeah, I'm, yeah. <laughs> 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 oh, well, guys, I, uh, I hope that you guys enjoyed this just kind of, bs session talking about turkeys and how our season's going i hope that you all are having a lot better luck and just enjoying being in the uh in the great outdoors as always please go and give us some form of rating you know leave us some feedback it would be greatly appreciated to know how we're doing and if you guys want us to to talk about anything there's a plethora of knowledge sitting around this round table and shoot us a message or something like that and we can we can kind of divulge on some different topics and break it down and uh stay safe out there guys and as always hunt relentlessly <laughs>